0: Welcome to
1: Our Unspoken Truths. I'm Nazia. And I'm Jean. We're members of Mums United, a charity based in Sheffield, England.
0: Mums United is led by local mums, tackling youth violence and child drug exploitation in our local communities. Lots of taboos and
1: unspoken truths surround these issues. In this podcast, we give mums a space to speak their truth. Welcome to the final episode
0: in the current series. We had always planned for this episode to focus on youth crime and drug and gang culture. However, since recording our guests, there has been another tragedy in the Sharrow area of Sheffield.
1: On the 9th of April at 9.40pm, someone I know tragically was killed after being shot. The murder is still under investigation. So I won't be talking about that, but everyone is shocked about the loss of this young gentleman called Hurum Javed. He was 30 years old and a recently qualified solicitor 18 months ago. He was married and had two children, a three-year-old daughter and a one-year-old son. He left behind his family, friends, and he was very popular in the local community, so everyone was affected by the loss of his life. He didn't deserve this terrible death. And the people that have been accused of killing him, young 17, 18-year-old boys, also from the local community, the mothers of these children have also lost their children mm-hmm. because they're going to end up, you know, being in prison. Mm-hmm. Everyone, all the local organisations, are shocked and have spoken about this horror. And our organisation, Women's United, also wanted to show support by organising a march. And we felt that this is very important because we wanted to show that nobody deserves to be shot or killed by a knife crime. And we want to make this area safe. So we want to show like a protest against these types of crimes that are happening in our local area. So in response to
0: the ongoing frequency of violent incidents linked to drug gangs, Mums United has organized a march on May the 22nd.
1: It's time. We all come together and stand against the violence that is destroying our community. This march is a protest against all those who stand in silence and who are watching our young people being destroyed. If you are not with us, then you are just as complicit. You are part of the problem.
0: Let's hear from our guests from this series, sharing their thoughts about the worrying developments in youth crime and violence on our streets. Firstly, here's Ursula, who spoke to us in episode two. After hearing about her childhood and life experiences, we asked Ursula about her current work with young people through her charity, Adaira.
2: The young people call me Mama Ursula. In the community, in the black commu- the black community. Um, and we support the 18 to 25 year year olds, but when we support the family, we you know, with younger children, we support them holistically. But um, yeah, I I have to catch them because I call that generation the talking generation, because that's the generation that will, you know, it's very commonplace to, to slap your child or to punch your child or to keep your child in the black community. And that's that this is the generation that will say, Mommy, why did you hit me? You didn't have to hit me that could have been a conversation mommy why did you call me stupid you didn't have to do that we could have just talked about it they will ask you you know mommy what's wrong with me i'm feeling a bit sad today why are you telling me it's demons mommy when you know the school is saying that it might be mental health so i call them the, the the talking generation and they're the generation that are fighting against my generation and the generation before me because they don't want to the to have that that adage of oh to be seen and not heard Because that's how we were raised. You know, I couldn't dare question my mother about why she was allowing these men in the house to rape me, because that would have been another beating. Um, I had to just take it. Whereas I've raised my children to ask questions, and it's okay for me to answer. There's that old saying, which is an African proverb, which I hate when people say it, because they never say the whole proverb that says, um, it takes a village. To raise a child. People always stop at the word child, but it's not a full stop, it's a comma. Because it said the full sentence says it takes the village to raise the child, but the child that is not embraced by the village will burn it down to feel its warmth. And that is what is happening. You know, years ago, it was the village that would raise the child and love the child and support the child. Now we're so busy as parents, we're so busy working, we're so busy with this, we're so busy with that, we don't have time for our children. The only time we notice that child is when they're doing something wrong, and then we're all over them, or when we want them to go to university, or, or to, to go down the path that we want them to go down. So our children now are thinking, right, you're telling me to be quiet, I can't talk about what's going on behind closed doors, so you know what? Let me go into the street and pour my pain, let me go and stab and shoot somebody and ask you, as the village, do you see me now? Can you see me now? Also, just changing the subject tiny bit, um,
1: you know, uh, are there a small group of people that are trying to make your life difficult? Because there's always, like, um, you know, two sides. Yeah. So obviously we understand your side and we support your side, but there's always going to be other Black people in your community who think, Your right is not right, if it makes sense. Oh,
2: God, yeah. I have a lot of people say to me, you know, I don't appreciate when you share your story and speak as if that's the the Black community as as a whole because that's not been my upbringing. I had the most amazing upbringing and I always say to them good for you (laughs) and I'm incredibly happy for you but if it wasn't happening if what I'm speaking about wasn't still happening today we wouldn't have so many young black kids in the psychiatric wards, we wouldn't have so many young black kids in the prisons or joining the gangs because of what we are doing to them behind closed doors. I'm the first in the queue when it comes to pointing the finger at white people and saying, listen, racism has an impact on our mental health, discrimination and bias and police stop and search has an impact on our mental health. But I'm also the first in the other queue, which is to point the finger at my own community and say, what are you doing to these young people behind closed doors that is causing them to go and pour their pain into the streets? We also asked
1: Ursula what she observes in her culture about the role of parents when young people get caught up in drugs and gang violence
2: if i can't speak to somebody outside and there's nobody in my community who's going to listen to me i'm going to pour my pain into my into my child so what you're finding is children having children raising children but it's angry children having raising angry children who are having angry children because those tools which should have been love and affection and kindness instead of our anger and coldness and bitterness and resentment are the tools that are passed down into our sons and they just don't have the emotional um equipment to be able to deal with it so they go out looking for it and they find it in gangs okay okay
0: so could you just say a little bit more about that then? Because that's also an area of focus for Mums United. When you say that they find that sense of belonging, I guess is what you might be explaining there in gangs.
2: Yeah, because it's, it's a shared trauma, isn't it? It's a shared trauma and who's gonna better understand you than somebody who's either been through it or is going through it. Or, you know, like the only example I can give is like, as old as my children are now, I'm still jealous of them. I still, you know, feel like, oh God, it's not fair that you were able to have this amazing life that I couldn't have, and I have to fight those thoughts. And what you will find is a lot of these guys in gangs will see kids who are in, even if the father's not there, and they're but they're in a loving home. Mm-hmm. They will look and think, I didn't have that, so I'm going to destroy it. So I'm going to destroy it by going and attaching myself to that small boy and, you know, offering him things and and trying to pull him away and telling him that, you know, if his mom's saying, him, well, you've got to be home by five or she's saying that because she don't love you. She don't want you to enjoy yourself. So I can't have it. So I destroy what I can't have or I'm jealous of what I can't have or I want that little boy because I need to pass on the pain because it's a big thing now I saw it recently on um, a YouTube video from Brixton in London where I lived where the older gang members are now going around raping the younger boys and they're claiming that it's under the guise of oh I'm doing it to control them or you know they disrespected me so that's why I'm raping him but I'm not gay I'm not gay and it's then that fear that they know they are gay and that's why they're raping the younger boys, but they hide it under, oh, it's discipline. But they know that if they come out as gay, that's going to be a problem because you've been taught from the womb in the black community that, you know, LGBT is wrong. told to be gay is wrong or to be loving is wrong. To be warm is wrong. To be kind is wrong. To be affectionate as a boy is wrong. And if you spend enough time <laughs> pouring those into a child, of course, they're going to believe it. Well- so
1: for me uh, being involved with mums united it is so important i can't emphasize it enough to help the boys as much as girls mm-hmm. and i know that we've been talking about uh, your experiences because uh, as a woman and as a girl uh, and it's really interesting uh, that to hear that um boys are going through this as well but in uh, in current times in a in a in a disguised way so before yeah. it was yeah in in the house you know with the big communities and you know with gatherings and everything like that and now it's more outdoors but i've um, got a son who's nearly 16 in about a couple of weeks and i think at that age you're right what you just said material things are very important and Mm -hmm. if a lot of the black women we're not talking about everyone we're just talking about which where there's problems you know in certain areas so it's not everyone everyone doesn't go through these experiences but I can imagine because I've got a son I can imagine that mother not having everything that that boy wants yeah so because I've got a son and he asks for things and I can't provide him with everything and straight away because he's self-centered at that age he'll say that's not fair yeah yeah. And my own, son who's not had these experiences. So, yeah. if I can, I mean, I'm feeling. I'm trying to put myself in that boy's shoes, mm. where he's at home and he knows his mum can't. Maximum she can offer is maybe. He needs a hundred pounds. Maximum she can offer is about fifty pounds. Yeah. So he's got a choice of either getting, you know, like he's he's gonna. He, he's got a choice. You know, he he might react.
0: Yeah. And, yeah, and so
1: he might not make it, you know, he can do a number of things. Yeah. But I can imagine the mum having a hard time because the boy's not listening but and understanding. And instead of helping and trying to find a part time job, mm-hmm. he, yes. you know, uh, oh, he okay. might be talking about his mum to his friends, Yes. Well. So his mum might be an enemy as well, <laughs> yeah. Of course, because <laughs>
2: it's the a it's a catch 22 uh yeah. experience, I think. I don't know if you agree. Of course, 100%. You're damned as a parent if you do, and you're damned if you don't. And I think it's because this is a different generation. This is what the spoilt generation, you know, I call the six second generation. (laughs) You know, they want everything very quickly and videos must be only six seconds long because that's as long as my attention span is going to last. And you mustn't tell me no, Um, you know, give me everything. And the, the world of the YouTube influencer, has exploded because I can make millions from just sitting in my bed and doing a video with an iPod um yeah. uh, you know a tripod a, a camera um you know so young people thought, okay this is this is my life today and then we are fighting an upstream battle trying to you know show them a different way and then they've got friends outside who are influencing them um showing them something else and then it, Whatever you do yeah. as a parent, you feel like, you know what, it's it's wrong because if you work, you're a bad parent because you're not spending enough time at home with your child. If you don't work, you're a lazy parent because you don't want to go out and work um, but if you do work you're constantly got one eye at home thinking what is this child doing what are they up to are they behaving when they go out you're trying to control where they go and who they see and what they they do and all these things and then you've got the government now telling you that you can't tell them off you can't do this and kids are aware of that you you shout at them and they tell you they'll call Childline. what impact is that having on 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 a parent, especially single parents. Yes. So Some single parents who have got three, four jobs that they're juggling um, just to keep a roof over the child's head. Um, and then it's, it's that thing where it always seems to be on the mother. It never seems to be the mother walking out. <laughs> it always seems to be yeah, the and, Yeah. And thank you. You've just hit another point.
1: I think one of the reasons why things are not mentioned is because the parents or the mothers or the fathers are doing too many long hours of work. So you hit the nail in the end as well, like in the sense that that's one of the reasons why we can't help the children because they're doing, they're finishing one job and then within an hour they're doing another job.
2: Yeah, because I remember when Lee um, Rigsby, that soldier who was hacked to death in London, um, the, the young man who who hacked him to death, he was in a program years ago when he was younger when Dami Lola got killed in in London because he his his parents set up a, a charity and a foundation and the father was going around the estate helping, you know, young kids. So he was one of the young people who went off the rails and the father went to the house one day he must the boy must have been about 12 or 13 at the time and he went to the house one day and said to the mom look you know he's he's running the streets and he, if he don't rein him in now he's going to be in trouble and she said what do you want me to do i work 3 cleaning jobs, yeah, yeah? just to put a roof over his head and to be able to send him to school. When I leave in the morning, I assume he goes to school because she starts her cleaning job at four or five or six in the morning. Mm -hmm. I assume he goes to school. What do you want me to do? And that was her her trap really, because you know, what could she do? She was a single parent. If she didn't work, they'd be evicted, they'd be homeless. But she didn't have a job that, you know, paid enough money that she could just work one job. She had to work three jobs. So the child is feeling abandoned. You're never here. When you are here, you're too tired to to deal with me. You're too tired to spend time with me. So let me go and look for it outside. He ended up growing up and, 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 and hacking Lee Rigsby to death. You know, but do we blame the mother? Do we blame him as the child? Do we blame the father for walking out and not, you know, where do we, where does the blame lie here? And is there any blame tonight? Is it society? Is it that we're not a village anymore? You know, years ago, she could have gone to work and two aunties would have made sure that, you know, come on, boy, you're going to school. And, you know, if she can't go to parents' evening, an auntie would go from, from the next village or, you know, somebody else would come or we'd have some men come and step in and, and you know, sit, sit him down and, and talk to him. So I think it's that that fragment where the village is not is not there anymore. Um, people are working longer hours, as you said, um, over time. Yeah, and uh,
1: during COVID, uh, it it was also highlighted that at the beginning, last year in March, Mm -hmm. uh, neighbours didn't check up on anybody, and when this new, um, you know, when things were launched about how to, um, you know, check up on people, uh, everyone was talking everywhere about how they've not said good morning or hello to uh, (laughs) neighbours, and they didn't know people... uh, we're so kind and friendly, and you know, with all the clapping, I think yeah.
2: that was the first time they saw the neighbours. <laughs> exactly, yeah, yeah, but does that, I think a lot of that has to do as well with, as you said, we're so busy trying to keep up with the Joneses, Um, you know, so we don't want anybody in our house, because my house might not look as nice as hers, so let me not invite her in for a cup of tea, or let me not check up on her, but also um, domestic violence has increased.
0: Ursula's viewpoint is a reminder how tricky it can be to work out the reasons why young people get involved with gangs and drug related violence. Our guest from episode three, Noor, also believes that often it begins as a cry for attention.
3: Is it really worth it to pay that much attention to the material side of your physical side of your children and you don't know, you don't pay much attention to their hearts and souls? I think humans are more heart and soul and emotion than physics because you can't handle the hunger, but you can't handle the pain of being ignored or isolated or uh, not really well cared of. And I think the violence is the response of not being well cared of. Noor also
0: told us why this issue matters so much to her.
3: Uh, to be honest, the Syrian revolution uh, opened my eyes uh, a lot to the youth violence, because I've seen how society can create their own enemies, if I am allowed to say so. Uh, when you feed the youth with hate and, and lacking of opportunities and war and pain, they will pay you back by violence. So it really opened my eye also when my friends lost their daughter, her son, um, in a knife and he was knifed uh, he, he wasn't involved in that he was just walking the street and he saw a few guys fighting and he, he tried to separate them um, yeah. the fight the fight went very angry and uh, the boy was stabbed he was only 18 and he was the only uh, child of my friend and I saw her broken was, was that in Damascus that, that happened? no that was in london in london Mm, that was in london and that was in 2015 i believe and that was an eye-opening to me i I start to see jacob my son as well because you know when you have daughters it's very different you wanted to speak about moms maybe but when you have daughters it's very different when you have boys
4: yes
3: so i start to see jacob growing as, as a male Yes. And I was frustrated that uh, he will grow into a society where those are really experiencing a lot of violence. So I, I felt responsible and accountable to do something for the community, taking in consideration my passionate, my uh, rebel mind. You know, I, I consider myself as a rebel woman. I'm not mm-hmm. really a common woman. So I wanted that type of more, more emotion and motivation to be used
0: All our guests have different motivations for being involved in Mums United. Here is Jen from episode four, explaining what led her to stand up against the dangers to young people in her community.
4: In my community, um, before the pandemic, year before the pandemic, I think it was. Yes. There was some gang members were driving past um, a small shop in precinct where there's a co-op shop and a post office and that. And for some reason, one of them fired a a gun out of a car window. I don't know if they were trying to get a certain person or what. I don't particularly care what their reason behind it was. But the fact of what happened is that that bullet hit a child. And thank God, the little boy, um, it was his leg that was injured. And he's been able to make as good a recovery as he possibly did. So... Uh, that's all to, That's all something to be thankful for. But it really brought home to me, as a parent of a boy in this community, that I can't even now send my child to the shop for a, a packet of crisps, you know, the shop on the next road, go and get a pint of milk. It, that's not something that's safe to do in our community now because of these people. And I said it on the news at the time, in the newspapers, and online, I don't care who these people are or what their business is. What I care about is the risk, level of risk to our young people, because it's twofold. On the one hand, when there's gangs in your area, there's a risk that your child can be groomed and encouraged to be part of these gangs. No matter what your home life is, no matter what your level of income is, If you've got a child and there's gangs in your area, your child's at risk of being groomed to be involved with whatever they're up to. Um, But the other side of it, second point, is that your child is at risk of being a victim of attack with a knife or with a gun because these gangs will constantly try and uh, have beef with members of other gangs and so on and so forth. So if there's a gang that are looking for a white 14 year old boy who's five foot eight with brown hair, you know, it's very easy and more and more common for them to be some kind of mistaken identity and an innocent person gets stabbed or shot. So that's that's the two uh, aspects of risk. Either your child will be a mistaken identity and be a victim or your child will be groomed by the gangs. And that's a risk to every young person, boys and girls, um, when there's gangs roaming free in your community. So I decided to stand up. And I was scared, really, really scared. Because I'm thinking, well, if people don't come with me, when I stand up, speak up about this. If other mums and dads don't speak up too, then I'll just have a target on my head, won't I? However, that's not what happened. What happened was, because I did kick off royally. I was really, really angry. Enough is enough. When a child's been injured, a child has been injured who was just going to the co-op for a bottle of Parquets and crisp. Um, this is when you have to draw a line. We all have seen these people razzing around the neighbourhood in the fast cars and playing loud music and whatever they're doing, smoking their weed and whatever they're doing. But when it's, when it's bubbling over and hurting innocent people in the community, you've got to draw the line because if you don't, things escalate. So I called a community meeting and the, um, the chief of police came, the PC, PPC, uh, police crime commissioner, PCC. The um, local sergeant of the local police team came. There was someone from fire brigade. There was the MP, there were all the councillors for the area. There were all the various local news, Yorkshire Post, Sheffield Star, um, Calendar News and Look North News, as well as National News, Heart Radio, Capital Radio, BBC Radio Sheffield, and this community hall that really isn't much used in our community, actually. This community hall that's kind of the size of like a school assembly hall, It was filled with over 200 people. Now, the only people I knew personally who I've said, can you come along? There were some other parents in the neighbourhood. There were some parents from over on the manor, which is just near to us. And these gangs are kind of bridging both communities like so. But I asked Mums United. And Mums United was fairly newly formed at the time. And I knew that Mums United was doing work um, about de-escalating and keeping children uh, safe as can be from being groomed by these kind of gangs or being targeted by these kind of gangs. So I asked Mums United and, you know, I, I didn't know what the answer would be, but without hesitation, without hesitation, Sarah said, yes, I'll be there. What's the time? What's the date? Not only did she come, she brought people with her as well. And I felt such support such support and we needed it not just for me as a person but for us as a community and this is the final thing i'll say on this um nazia is that yes this incident happened now in but it happened in sheffield and we're all sheffield their gangs are territorial with the way they behave and they attack each other depending on what postcode each other lives in and that sort of thing i do see adults behaving that this way in our community where They'll say, if you live in Gleadless, you can't talk about what's happening in Sharon, Or if you live in Sharon, you can't talk about what's happening in Firth Park. You've got no right to, blah, blah, blah. Excuse me, actually, shut up. Yes, we do have a right to because if something negative is happening in our city, it's affecting all of us. Um, and we, We're the grown-ups. We need to show an example and come together. What that meeting achieved was incredible because people were so riled up like, enough is enough. What are the police going to do? And I remember there was one man at that meeting. Do you remember one man at the meeting said, if the police don't step up and do something about this, we're going to take it into our own hands. Is that what you want? Yeah, they wanted action. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and I, said I, to, remember. I remember I said to the chief of the police at the time, I said, look, it's like this. You put more police in our area, yeah, or the parents of this community are going to take this into their own hands. And I can't stop them doing that. I can't stop them doing that. But then what's going to happen? It's just going to, you know, the escalate, is about how things yeah. escalating and bubbling over, isn't it? Um, yeah. But what happened is the community police team got increased by 50%. So there were 12 police already. And then it got another yeah. six added onto our yeah. local team covering our area and manor, um, which is brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. And then there's been the off-road, Team as well, um, which has been part of that. So, but it was really a positive result. And there's, you know, there's not been this huge escalation of gang violence in our area after that, unlike other areas of the city where people haven't got yeah. together and stood up, because they're all staying in their own little groups, where we're saying, oh, we're not talking to him, we're not talking to her, so they won't get together and address something big like this. And there's shootings and stabbings and stuff going on monotonously in some areas as you know yes. some yes. areas are really ripe for it because people are on one hand covering up for their their own children and relatives actions or on the other hand they're too scared to speak up but you, you know things have got to come to a head where and this is one of the amazing things about Mums United the walking through communities where people are being shot and stabbed and having their windows smashed and things like that coming together and walking through the community in unison in a peaceful way saying look we're here we're keeping an eye on what's happening we're not happy about what's happening look how many of us there are who disagree with your actions that sends a message to these sorts of um, gangs and stuff but it sends a message to the authorities as well if you see 50 or 60 women walking down the street because they're unhappy about things that are happening in the community that sends a message to the authorities to, to take action. So it's a good
1: start. But, um it's, you know, it's, it's going to take beautiful. more. Yeah. It's beautiful, um, you know, work that all the local mums in the different areas uh, are doing. And um, the only thing I w- wish is that more uh, fathers got involved as well. You know, the, sometimes, um, you know, they don't, because they, that everyone's what I find is everyone is scared about being the first person to speak up. They want to support, but they don't want to be the first person to speak and they don't want the name mentioned. So, uh, y- y- you know, I, I just find all the women uh, very brave and you know, inspiring.
4: I guess these men that aren't standing up are just happy with what's happening, then that's the only way I can look at it. Yeah. I guess yeah. they must just that's think, cool well. well, it's okay then. Because if they're not happy to speak out about something that's patently wrong yeah, uh, and patently affecting the community in a negative way, they're part of the problem. They're part of the problem. And some would say complicit. Yeah. Because when you know these things are happening and you can see the effects of it all around you, when we've got 18, 19, 20-year-olds stabbing each other in the city and bleeding to death on our streets on a regular basis. We know it's a regular basis. But you're not standing up and saying that that's a problem. That you're not willing to talk to your own sons and say, do you know what, no, you're not going out and hanging out with those people you need to stay in. What do you see people saying? Oh, I can't make them stay inside. Yeah, you are. You're a parent. You need to speak to your child get them some additional support, get yourself some additional support if you need it, but don't say nothing and don't do nothing. No.
0: So it's it's amazing to hear that story again, Jen, and also to hear the positive impact it had in real tangible practical terms with the increase in um, police and other support in the area. Does it actually feel different as a result, would you say? How does it feel different or not?
4: What's been happening um, that I've observed in our community is that there are still people who clearly are making uh, drug drops now and then or um, driving vehicles that are, uh, you know, driving motorbikes with no number plate on and no helmet. they going all around doing uh you know, driving across places they shouldn't be or or causing issues and a bit of a havoc like that. But what there hasn't been is violence. It hasn't and that's really important. You're not gonna change something like what happened overnight. Yeah. I don't think anybody expects that. But things certainly a karma. Um so that's a, that's an improvement. I mean, there was increased police presence in our community for months after that happened. They had police cars driving around um, hotspots, known hotspots to them anyway. They police cars like, driving around all day and all night long for months, keeping an eye on various areas and stuff.
1: You should be proud of yourself because all this happened after you took action, uh, you know, uh, with the meetings and everything.
4: You and know, some yeah. people say it's, it's braveness. Yeah, some people say it's stupid. I don't tend to have this um, thing where, you know when people stop and think before they act? I don't know what the name for that is, but I don't have it. So something happens and I'll go boom straight away. React, react, you said, react you really you fast. said
1: You said enough is enough.
4: Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. And, that was, and and you know what was behind all that was not any form of courage or bravery. I think it was just maternal instinct. Yeah. Because as soon as a child is shot in your community, as a mum, you're like, that is not going to happen to my child. And I'm going to do everything I can to make sure that I will never have to any children with mom. Right? That's the bottom line. Yeah. So it's fear and it's anger and it's love, actually, all mixed up weird it was a weird feeling we've uh, we've really enjoyed uh, this interview uh,
1: and it's been lovely you know like getting to know you you know um and all the work that you do and um you know it's it's it's, it's an honor to have you know have spent this hour with you
0: <laughs> it absolutely is for me as well and i've learned a lot not just today jen from you but but over the months that We've been connected through Mums United. So so thank you for your openness and for that amazing cocktail of anger, fear and love that, that fuels everything that you do because it is a very, very powerful cocktail um, which you're putting to amazing effect.
4: Thank you all so much and thank you for all of your support and being just part of the sisterhood During this pandemic, but before it as well, there's something really special at the centre of Mums United, and that's the truth and honesty and trust. The togetherness that has been built over the past year while we've all been uh, meeting on the Zoom calls once a week um, to give that little bit of support to each other, has built such strong bonds. and I absolutely love all of these two pieces I
1: really do, really, really do. We'd like to finish this series with the person who has inspired and supported all our guests, Sarah Earshad, the chair of Mums United. In episode
0: one, Sarah described how and why she set up Mums United in Sheffield. She told us how she believes that even though these issues are complex and painful, parents and mums in particular, can make a real difference to creating a safer future for our young people.
5: I think that you can raise your child the best way you know how. But if that child is going to walk out the door, he will do what he or she want to do. However, I do feel that as parents, we have to be there for them. And if we're not there, and if we don't check in on them, And if we're, at, you know, if we're sitting in other friends' company or out all the time, I just feel like something is missing from from that child's life. And I feel like, you know, they don't have, if they don't have that support network at home, then it's going to impact them some way. It might not stop them from doing wrong. It might not stop them from kind of, you know, going and, you know, uh, dealing or smoking weed or whatever. But if they are in the knowledge that when they go go home, and whether you're one parent family or two parent family, you know that your mom and dad are there for you, regardless. You know, I think that's really important. I, I don't think I don't think we could stop as parents. I don't think we've got that power, and we sh- I, I feel like we need to stop beating ourselves up you know and we have to realize that we don't have as much power as we think we have you know I think that there comes a point in a child's life that they will make those decisions irrespective of what we say or don't say but if we are giving them a good kind of sound base and if we're giving them that support and if we're showing them love and we're, we're showing them that love, you know, I think that's uh, it's a great place to start, I think.
1: We agree that love is a great place to start and also a great place to finish. This first series of Our Unspoken truths. We hope we'll be back with a second series soon. To find out more about volunteering work we do through Mums United, join us on Twitter at Mums United Chef or on Facebook Mums United Sheffield
0: or on our website at www.mums-united.co.uk Thank you for listening
1: to our Unspoken Truth.